0: After a disappointing election cycle, Republicans have elected new leadership in the House and the Senate. Tony McCombie of Savannah will take over in the House, and John Curran from Downers Grove will be the new GOP leader in the Senate. But will they make any difference in the face of renewed Democratic supermajorities in both chambers? What are their plans for negotiating with Democrats and rebuilding their party in 2024? We'll hear from both new leaders on this edition of Capital Cast. Hello, and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock.
1: And I'm Jerry Nowicki. Today, we'll take separate looks at the two Republican leaders in the General Assembly, starting with State Senator John Curran. A Republican from southwest suburban Downers Grove, Curran has served in the General Assembly since 2017. In January, he'll take over Minority Leader for State Senator Dan McConkie, a Hawthorne Woods Republican who was chosen for the post in November 2020, but whose caucus chose a new route by electing Curran this week. Curran and I sat down for a 20-minute conversation Wednesday the day after he was chosen as leader, and also the day after former President Donald Trump announced another bid for the White House in the upcoming 2024 election. We touch on all of that, as well as Curran's propensity for working across the aisle at a far greater pace than most of his Republican colleagues. That includes working on environmental issues, such as regulating the cancer-causing gas ethylene oxide, and voting with Democrats to pass the Climate and Equitable Jobs Act, a wide-ranging energy regulatory overhaul known by its acronym, CEJA. And before we begin, I want to address one thing that frequent listeners of this podcast may be wondering. John Curran is not related to Mark Curran, the recently defeated Supreme Court candidate, who also previously lost his bid as a Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate. So with that clarified, here is my conversation with the new minority leader of the Illinois Senate, John Curran is there a pivot for the Senate Republican caucus with this move? Jerry, we're a caucus of of
2: growing 19 members. Um, there's no pivot. This is, you know, we we all sit at one table. This is a few people changing seats, just a couple different roles, um, as we go forward. But, uh, you know, really this is about us being a unified caucus. We're going to work, uh, collaboratively and and we're going to represent every member is going to represent their individual district.
1: So, um, what necessitated the
2: leadership change you know it, again it was it, it's just more so looking forward who could fulfill what role in this caucus best some people are going to be taking on different roles some people have had those roles in the past this is good to kind of refresh a bit but at the end of the day we're all working together it doesn't matter all 19 no one senator in our caucus is has a bigger role or is more important than any other the role any other senator plays I mean truly when, when you're just nineteen it's all hands on deck mm-hmm.
1: so I guess in in that regard or do you become more public with news conferences uh, with this role or
2: so you, you're noticing I usually try to shy away from that sherry uh yes. Y- yes, I do I've become more public with news conferences you know it's going to be imperative that I help get the Illinois Republican Party message, the Illinois Republican message out throughout all all of Illinois. Um, you know, we're, we're in a day and age where the national media and the national conversation at times drowns out what's going on in this state. And so it's imperative that as the minority party in this state, that we speak up with our voice um, and really demand and work towards real meaningful participation and policy in
1: this state. So what's the message then?
2: The message is, you know, Illinois Republicans want to work um, to to bring balance to state government, to bring balance to state policy, because we're going to produce better results with that balance for working families throughout all Illinois communities.
1: Is that the message you brought, the pitch you made to your caucus
2: members uh, when seeking the leadership? That is one of the discussions I've had with caucus members, yes. What are the others? Well the others are just, you know, we're gonna try to, you know, go forward with some changes, you know, I think on the political side as well as as we move forward. But the reality is you're not gonna see much of much of change. It's going to just be a a real focus on all mem all nineteen members pulling in the same direction, playing big roles and really participating in better public policy,
1: uh, for all Illinoisans. So then what are the obstacles for a caucus in a, in a state so dominated by Democrats?
2: Our obstacles are the, the, uh, lack at times of the majority party to respect and include the minority party, uh, in a meaningful manner in public policy discussions. I mean, so that's been the real hindrance here, I, as an individual legislator, have found ways to have some meaningful uh, participation um, in that process and, and getting members of the other side of the aisle to respect my policy objectives and getting them included in the ultimate product. We need to do that as a caucus and we need to get help convince the, the other side that that is going to produce better results for all Illinois families.
1: So some of the things you, you mentioned there that come to mind are the healthcare proposal you got on board with. You might've been the only Republican who were to lead so, ethics voice. So what are the, some of the other ones? Yeah. I mean, so,
2: you know, I think one of the ones that I think about really is uh, envir- environmental issues. So environmental issues in um, DuPage County with ethylene oxide, That was a a bipartisan, collaborative effort. Uh, We had a public health crisis um, in southeast DuPage County in Willowbrook, and members of both sides of the aisle worked uh, collaboratively to solve that public health crisis. And, you know, a a, a tremendous benefit. If you're not safe in your community, either from a health perspective or a a public safety, personal safety perspective, um, you know, we're, we're failing you. And I don't care if that's on the, uh, some, uh, in Chicago, in the collar counties, western or southern Illinois. You know, people need to be safe and, and, and uh, have, and, and healthy in their communities.
1: Do you vote for CJA or no? No. Yeah.
2: CJA, uh, yes. Yes. So, I mean, reliable, reliable, sustainable energies, uh, one of the imperatives that we have, we had to have those nuclear plants on. That's where I came down on that issue. We need nuclear energy in the state of Illinois. It is, um, it is clean, it is reliable, and, and quite frankly, uh, that is one of the uh, large advantages we have. When you look at Illinois, transportation um, infrastructure, we, we are uh, well-situated. Just about all heavy freight comes through Illinois. We've got uh, an abundant access to abundant clean uh, drinking water. We have uh, just, we have low cost, relatively speaking, compared to the rest of the country. Reliable energy, um, you know. So we we have a and we have a very highly educated workforce. We have some great benefits that are, that attract employers to Illinois. We have a lot of promise. But we also have some regulatory matters we have to address to to continue to grow and attract more investment and, and more jobs to
1: Illinois. So coming out of this election cycle, you see the U line money elevates some of the f- more conservative voices on some talking points that might not have been winners. is does that what kind of challenges does the u line money play when it's sort of elevating the most extreme Republican voices?
2: Well, I, I mean, Jerry, that has not been, uh, that's not my takeaway from this election. Uh, so Mr. Uline, we were very fortunate, invested uh, heavily in the Illinois Senate uh, Republican candidates, and, and these were not extreme candidates. These were uh, candidates modeled to represent the districts they were running in. Senator Eric, uh, Erica Harris uh, was one of the recipients of that. And she won. So it it was a great benefit to us. Certainly uh, welcome uh, Mr. Uline's uh, um, investment in our cause. But we certainly, as we look forward, need to
1: diversify um, our fundraising,
2: you know, and not be relying on just one source.
1: That's something Leader McCombie said, too. So how do you do that?
2: A lot of hard work, Jerry, communication and messaging. So, uh, but we have to show value add to investors, uh, potential investors, to get them to invest in the Illinois Senate Republicans. That's going to be my job to do that.
1: No secret that Donald Trump isn't well-liked by many Illinois voters. Does his announcement yesterday make your job harder?
2: No, I don't think it has an effect on my job one way or the other. I'm focused on Illinois. And, and representing uh, Illinois families, and one national figure, any national figure, uh, should not frame who the Illinois Republican Party is to to our our citizens that we seek to represent. So we need to be strong enough, and we are strong enough to um, to present ourselves in a manner that that uh, you know leads to meaningful participation in the state.
1: How do you? Because. For many voters, I think you saw on that abortion issue, particularly, they just sort of maybe tie Republicans to the national trends within that party. You say hard work, but what a, specifically, I guess, how do you maybe separate yourself from that? We have to
2: do a better job on the abortion uh, messaging. You know, the reality is, what else can we do here in Illinois? We have um, the laws of Illinois are. More weighted um, towards guarantees of the rights to 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 have an abortion than any other state in the nation. There's no further to go, so um, you know Democrats are going to continue to try to manipulate that issue. Uh, we need to do a better. We're going to have to do a better job going forward uh, and messaging on that issue.
1: So they'll say that you know there is forward further to go. I think they're probably considering packages right now that they'll bring when they return in, in January on that issue?
2: Well, the, the, I mean, with all respect, right after the Dobbs decision, the governor said he was going to call a special session and, and go right away. We've seen nothing. They've had working groups going all fall. They struggle to come up with anything that they can do because they've done it all already on that issue. So, you know, haven't seen a proposal yet. It's been, what, six months since,
0: since he, he called for a special session, right? Mm-hmm. That was Jerry Nowicki interviewing the new Senate Minority Leader, John Curran. Meanwhile, in the lower chamber, Tony McCombie takes over the job of House Minority Leader after Republicans lost at least four, possibly five, seats, handing Democrats their largest supermajority ever. The day after being chosen by her colleagues, McCombie's phone rang off the hook. Many of those calls were from reporters wanting to interview the new House Minority Leader, So to save time, she invited the press corps up to the leader's office on the third floor of the Capitol, an office she won't officially occupy until January when the new session begins. About a dozen reporters gathered around, trying to balance their cameras and microphones, while McCombie fielded one question after another, starting with, How a Republican like her from outside Chicago can win back GOP voters in the suburbs.
3: Well, I think most importantly, we have to have a presence in the Chicago suburbs and in, and in Chicago. I think that's the first and foremost thing. Uh, we had a lot of good candidates this cycle. Um, however, we weren't able to cross the finish line with them. So that's going to start with me being present in the suburbs and in Chicago, which uh, I am now, but certainly not at this, at this level in this position. So it'll be, it'll be uh, interesting to get around to the existing members that we have, learn more about their districts, Uh, and actually see what we can do to make a difference there. Can you talk a little bit about how you will be managing working with the the Democrats, an even greater majority than it was before you were elected to this position? Well, the numbers will be a challenge for the Republicans as well as the Democrats. So uh, I, I'm going to do what I do now. I, I have friends on both sides of the aisle. I work to develop relationships and friendships. And uh, you may all not know me, but I'm very honest and transparent, and I'll continue that kind of conversation with the folks across the aisle.
1: And there were eight people who didn't vote for you, and uh, I guess that's okay, but how are you going to you know, get get them on board of your
3: plans? I always find that interesting, how caucus news comes out to the media. Uh, so, uh, well, first off, Several of them have already reached out to me, including last night. Uh, God bless America. It's about a choice, and I think that was an important piece for those that were um, considering a run and who voted um, a different way. Uh, in the end, it was a unanimous decision. Where do you, you stand on Donald, Donald Trump? Trump? Let's go with him okay. first.
1: <laughs> you mentioned that you have friends on both sides of the aisle, you've obviously worked on many bills over the past few years, in the DCFS bills, okay. they have bipartisanship. How important is it to have that moving forward as well?
3: You know, as leader, I might actually get that bill passed now. So we've been fighting for pay-em-night for a long time. Uh, we've, we've done it in the House, and it dies in the Senate. Um, again, um, with the tragic loss we had here in Springfield, we thought we were going to get that through with, uh, uh, with the Senate uh, and the House again, and we did not. Uh, common sense legis- legislation should be easy, uh, and my conversations and relationships, I hope, uh, will uh, bring those issues around
1: good there are, there are Republican words to say about Donald Trump on his way out, um, and now he is running for president again. What kind of a, or what kind of an effect do you think he's going to have on state
3: politics this cycle? You guys are so great already. This is great. Uh, well, here we are. We're starting a new cycle right right now, and that's a, an important piece. Campaigns start um, the day after elections. I look forward to a a, a robust Republican primary. Uh, and going through that process. The, the, the,
0: how do you think Illinois Republicans need to change the message?
3: Well, no. I think we need to have a message, right? Uh, we need to have a message that's going to include uh, we're, we're starting a message right now. You've just elected mm. the first female Republican House Leader. I think that should show uh, folks across the state that we are inclusive, we are diverse, and we are welcoming all people to come in. So. Uh, I think that's that's first and foremost. You've the been campaigning
0: crushed. against Mike Madigan for what like 12 years now. And Only 12? Does At least. Doesn't seem to be gaining sure. seats. Do uh, you need to find something else to talk about
1: this? Well,
3: he's not here anymore and he's not on the ballot.
1: The party got crushed in the suburbs. Uh, a lot of the, the messaging that Democrats use is around abortion, around uh, gun control. Is there a place in the House Republican caucus for candidates that may be pro-choice or pro-gun control, maybe more moderate positions than what the, the national party has and what uh, some of the leading Republicans in the state have had over the past few years?
3: Well, we did have a, a, a win in the suburbs, We uh, several of them. We have Amy Grant, we have uh, Jennifer Sanalitro, we have, we have several folks. Uh, here, here's the thing. In Illinois, it's not about being... Um, pro-life or pro-gun. In Illinois, we continue to push the extremes. And maybe that message wasn't wasn't apparent. But there there would be, in my, my opinion, no pro-choice Republicans that would vote to repeal parental notification that would allow abortions up to nine months. So I think that's what we need to talk about in Illinois is the extremes. Can you talk about uh,
1: party finances? Um, of course, big mega donors play a big role in this. How do you go about making sure that House Republicans have the funds they need and it's put where it needs to go.
3: Right. Well, um, some of you may or may not be aware I was the House Republican um, chair uh, last cycle. Not this cycle, but the last, last cycle. And that is always uh, the issue, is raising money. The thing that we cannot do as a Republican Party is rely on uh, one, two, or three big mega donors. Uh, we, we need to be open and you know getting the $5, the $25, and bringing folks to the table that have not necessarily wanted to be at the table with us um, we're going to need to work to get the, get those dollars. But that starts with them believing in us. Facing, and I think our changes will make that happen. You're facing the largest super minority caucus you've ever had here in the House of Republicans. How do you effectively govern and actually get something done that you believe is going to be productive when you're facing such a big uphill battle? I don't see it as an uphill battle at all. I, I, it's the most important thing is we need to bring balance in Illinois. And when Illinoisans see that uh, this last campaign, this last election cycle, um, has put us so, so upside down, they're they're going to come to the polls, and they're going to they're going to bring balance back to Illinois.
1: The leader-elect uh, McCombie, you mentioned it, and I wanted to kind of build on it about being the first woman uh, to lead a House caucus. How much of how significant is it? I mean, we have a woman vice president, woman vice president of color. We've got a black president, et cetera. I mean, with regard to, in twenty twenty two. For barriers breaking, how significant is this?
3: Well, women get things done.
1: Can you expand on that?
3: (laughs) Do I need to?
1: I I just, I'm asking you.
3: No, I I think it's definitely very important. Uh, I don't think it's that there hasn't been an opportunity, uh, and there certainly is opportunities for women in in any profession. Uh, I was the first uh, female mayor in Savannah, uh, so this is not a a first for me, but I certainly don't want it to um, be who I am be who I am. I don't know if you all remember, but there was a time on the floor that I had an argument with a representative, Chris Welch, at that time, and that was just about public boards and you shouldn't be chosen because you're a woman. You should be chosen because you're the right person. In
1: 2016, you knocked off an incumbent Democrat to win your seat. Uh, Any lessons that you took from that race on on how you uh, can run against Democrats that are in office and, 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 and how you might take that uh, as you lead your caucus forward.
3: Absolutely. I know how to win a Tier 1 race. I know how expensive they are. I know how to message, uh, so I look forward to many Tier 1 races next cycle. Is the, Has Chris U-line
1: U-line money. Uh, is the Uline money elevating some of the more extreme voices detrimental to the party? I,
3: I don't know that answer. I, I don't know that answer, to be honest with you. I, I don't think he helped the House much this time, so I'm not sure. Has Chris Welch called me? Uh, he may have, my phone is crazy. Uh, so he may have, and I just haven't seen it yet. I was just trying before y'all walked in to clean it all up, so he may have.
0: Can you talk about your relationship with organized labor, or which ones have you worked with, which ones have supported you, and so on and so forth? Well,
3: and that goes back to my district. So I have a, a strong union uh, district uh, with within Whiteside County. So uh, there again, uh, my door's always been open as a representative and I'll continue to be so as, as the leader. Uh, Public labor uh, and private labor. Uh, there certainly are some differences. Uh, we do have to all work together.
0: What what group specifically? One hundred
3: and fifty IBW laborers, um, FOP, um, IEA, IFT. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I could. We could provide you a list if that's an no, important. No, no, no FOP. Yes. Got Yes. Yeah, okay. What's top, uh, top what, pro- go ahead? Top priorities. Top priorities to bring balance to the to the. Republican Party, right? I mean, we need we need some numbers. Seriously, we need to um, collaborate on our messages. We need to bring our caucus um, all together to have opinions. Uh, we have we have hopefully forty talented people uh, that are going to be able to um, help us to go to the next level. Can
1: you talk about how to possibly you know, the Republican Party can play a role in reversing outbound migration?
3: well, if we could pass some of our legislation, and that's really talking about relationships, right? And it's 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 urban, not necessarily Republicans against Democrats. It's oftentimes, when you hear this, it's urban against um, rural, right? A lot of times folks don't understand um, how we live, just like I may not understand how somebody in downtown Chicago lives. Uh, the Farm Bureau has figured it out with adopted legislators. I think we can do that. I, I remember um, years ago... Touring a, a nuclear plant, and uh, a senator was there, and who voted no on the on the on the bill. He said, "Had I been here and learned more, I would have voted yes." Um, so I think that's we just need to be working together and educating together.
0: Have you thought about what the rest of the leadership team is going to look like? Because the previous leadership team is pretty much all gone.
3: Well, I've only uh, made one decision. Technically, uh, I don't know if if if, uh, if I'm to say yes or not. So. Well, I'm going to throw her under the bus, so you might as well know. It's Noreen Hammond. Um, after election, I made two calls. Number one, my husband. Number two, Noreen Hammond.
0: As assistant minority? As she,
3: she will be, yeah, she'll de- deputy.
1: Deputy. So uh, at what point did you say, what we need is me, Tony McComby, to be leader?
3: Well, that was two years ago. <laughs> uh, this cycle was, I think, a surprise to everybody in this room. Uh, we didn't anticipate that. I, I, you know, I was there on Burr Ridge and election night with the leader proudly to to, to be there and, and hopefully be celebrating, and we weren't. Um, 11, 1130, there was conversations with myself and um, other colleagues that were there, and uh, it certainly wasn't where I thought I was going to be, uh, but this is something that I've been wanting to do uh, for quite some time. Uh, with my experience as a, as a representative, as the HRO chair, um, as uh, working and developing relationships with uh, people, organizations, and businesses, it, it really, um, I was the best person for the job. Republicans yeah. have always complained that they're not getting seats at the table with Democrats. What do you envision your relationship being with the Speaker and with the Governor? I, I, I will have a- Conversations with all the time. Uh, I'm not going to be afraid to go to their office. I'm not going to be afraid to, to have a conversation with them. i um, not saying that anybody else is or has been in the past, but um, as you will understand, I am um, very uh, forward, and we will be having conversations, and I think they'll welcome them.
0: That was State Representative Tony McCombie, who will soon be the new minority leader in the Illinois House. And that'll do it for this edition of Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation with significant funding from the Robert R. McCormick Foundation. Until next time, this is Peter Hancock with Jerry Nowicki saying thank you for listening.